0: Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of The Cannabis Review. I'm delighted to be joined in this episode by Lars Olofsson. Lars has been a CEO and management consultant for almost all of his 40 years in business. He is an ex-Swedish Navy SEAL, and he's currently representing 500 people in the Juicy Fields saga that's continuing to go on. Lars, how are you keeping today?
1: I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me here.
0: Delighted to have you on, mate. It's always good to bring clarity and information to the audience in Europe because there's a lot of bullshit and and uh, smoke and mirrors that are mm. currently going on at the moment. So always yeah. great to get the source, uh, sorry, the information straight from the source's mouth. Can you maybe give everybody just a quick overview? What is Juicy Fields for the people who have no idea about it yet?
1: Yeah, Juicy uh, Fields started in the spring of 2020. And uh, basically it's an e-commerce platform where you could uh, invest in uh, cannabis plants. And uh, they were calling it e-growers. And uh, what they have done is to pick from different kinds of um, business concepts uh, like uh, a crowdfunding concept and an investment concept and so on. And what they did was to, pick, to, to put together a concept where you are investing in uh, cannabis plants.
0: Okay, very interesting. And who are the main players who set up GC Fields? What territory are they based in in the world?
1: Yeah, uh, that's kind of interesting because if you are looking at the website they have had, uh, they said that they had operations uh, more or less all over the world in South America, in the Central America, in Europe, and uh, some uh, farmers uh, in the, in Asia as well. So, so that this was from day one a global operation uh, and then a, a global enterprise, and uh, and uh, and uh, they, they they presented a new way of investing uh, in, in the cannabis industry. And uh, and uh, and that was the, the new disruptive concept, so to say.
0: Okay, so the business model was basically getting people to invest in cannabis growers around the world, and like a co-op, yeah. they'd all be able to spread their money together. Yeah. So, yeah. can you tell me how long did this enterprise last?
1: Yeah, well, it, it, it's um, it's important to know that there had been a pre-planning. Uh, process. Uh, At least uh, what I have identified is that they have been working on this concept for at least two years before they started operation in in April 2020. And then the operation uh, went on until mid-July this year 2022. So more or less uh, two years, Uh, two years and a couple of months. That was uh, uh, during the operation and when they took in all the investors. So, but the, the, the company, there the, the are different companies, but the parent company actually started back in 2017 as a kind of research and development company. So there had been quite a lot of planning before they started operation and also a lot of investments because that is... In, in, very important in this uh, in this case, Uh, because I'm not just a lawyer. I'm also an investor in the cannabis industry and I invest in startup companies. So you could look at um, UC fields like a startup company with all the different kind of elements a a startup company uh, have to have A, a, a business concept, a business plan, financing for starting up operation, and all these elements.
0: Okay, very interesting. And where was the, the, let's say, the parent company set up? What location territory was that company set up in?
1: Yeah, uh, the parent company, UC Grow, is a German company, UC Grow AG. And then they started uh, subsidiaries in and in Switzerland. And there is a uh, potentially, uh, uh, it, it, it's a bit, uh, it, it, it's a bit uh, shady if uh, if there is a company in uh, in Cyprus, but the, the the parent company is in Germany. That's for sure.
0: Okay. And how long have every have people been aware of the Juicy fields scam? And when did people uh, kind of highlight that? Look, there's just something not not yeah. going correctly here.
1: Yeah, uh, well, uh, there was definitely something happened in the mid of July, because all of a sudden, one day, uh, the website was closed down. Everything was shut down. Uh, um, emails was uh, disconnected. Um, uh, mobile telephones was just disconnected. So more or less overnight, everything was closed down. And that's when people uh, started to think about, well, what is this? Is this just a technical problem? Uh, Is it just something temporary or have all the people uh, just left the company? So that was the, the first starting point of the process. Is this something that is still going on, but there is some kind of technical problems or is it a scam? And, uh, and this is interesting because I've been investigating investment scam for the last 15 years and I've been involved in the investigation and helping victims for more than 30 of these international uh, investment scams. And I, I, and I could see a pattern, a kind of playbook that all these scammers are using. And one of the things they are doing, and this is smart, because if you shut down everything from, from uh, uh, and uh, disconnect everything, people realize that, yes, this has been a scam. But if you are leaving someone behind and posting things uh, like this uh, in, in this situation, uh, posting things on the website that, yeah, this is just a temporary problem. We have had some internal conflicts between the founders of a company. We are going to soon start up again, and you are going to re- be able to refund your investments and all this kind of um, information. Then people are living on the hope that, yes, I'm not being scammed. And that is the psychology of uh, these scammers. And they know this for sure.
0: Okay, very interesting. And is there annual returns for the companies or the liquidity of the company? Where was the com- the, the money outflowing to? Is there a, a trail or a paperwork trail so far? Yeah. I've looked, this person took yeah. X amount out of the company, this person took X yeah. amount.
1: Yeah, the investors, and I could tell you that I have identified something about 125,000 investors for more or less all countries all, all over the world. So this was just, not just an, a, a, um, a European operation, this was a global operation, about 125,000. And the business was done between the investors And the Dutch company, Juicy Fields BV, and Juicy Fields BV, uh, they had an account in Cyprus. And uh, so that's where all the money uh, was sent from the investors to Cyprus. There was a Lithuanian bank also involved, but that, that was just a few percent of all the cash flow. So, so, so the main bulk of the cash flow was from the investors to a bank in Cyprus, and the bank account was held by this uh, Dutch company.
0: Very interesting. There is word going around that it was basically just a very advanced money laundering scheme uh, conducted by the Russian mafia. Is there any truth to that, Um yep. tale?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because in all this, first of all, I should say that when I looked into this and I came into uh, one of my clients, uh, contacted me in the end of, um, of July and explained his situation. And that was uh, one of my clients from Sweden. Uh, I should correct you that I have now about 800 clients from all over the world, more than, more than 50 countries uh, all over the world. And uh, when I looked into this, I saw immediately the, the pattern, the kind of playbook, the template for these kind of scams and uh, all the different elements. And, um, and, uh, and, and this is uh, also very interesting because in all these criminal activities, the criminals also use different kind of source of income. It's very seldom just one kind of crime. They are using this infrastructure they have been built, they have built to use for different kinds of purposes. So the investment scam of having people send money to Cyprus to invest in, in, um, in cannabis plants is just one of the different kinds of businesses or the different kind of criminal activities. Because inside the UC field scam, I have identified also a number of things that points in the direction there had been a money laundering scheme as well. And the money laundering scheme could be three or maybe four times as big as the investment scam in size of uh, the, the kind of money that was involved. And I should also say that I have identified something between 1.5 and 2 billion euros has been lost by the investors. And I think the sum is closer to 2 billion than
0: 1.5. Very interesting. Is there a specific country that has the most amount of investors that have lost the most amount of money or is it spread out across the globe?
1: Yeah, uh, it's interesting to see that the, the, the top, the, 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 the numbers are very, very uncertain. Uh, and uh, what I have, uh, uh, w- with all the contact I have had, and uh, as I said, I have 800 clients, but I've been in contact in one way or another, me and my team, we are 12 people, uh, being in contact with more than 20,000 investors. And uh, when I add up, uh, all the different countries and uh, what I've been talking to people and the information they have been giving me, that's when I come up with a number of about hundred and twenty five thousand. Germany is definitely one of the largest, something between 10 and eleven thousand investors has lost money. Spain is a very large country, something nine, ten thousand. Portugal, the neighboring country from Spain, that there is 7, 8,000. I have a lot of clients in Mexico. I have more than 60 clients in Mexico. And I think Mexico might be one of the biggest countries, actually, and France as well. So, 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 so there, there are thousands and thousands of people in more or less every country.
0: It's crazy, the overarching reach of this scam. You have said previously that you're sitting on documents that basically points the finger at certain facilitators. Is there a case that some of these facilitators were completely unaware of what was going on at the company? Or is there actual factual evidence that would stand up in court that when the finger has been pointed that there is irrevocable proof that they were involved?
1: Yeah, yeah. My legal strategy, not in just this case, but in many other similar cases, is that I know for sure that the criminals, they have been planning this for years. There have been, as I said, a a, a pre-planning process of at least two years, and then the operation during more than two years uh, on top of that. And and if you have, and that is the logic, if you have planned this and invest a lot of money and time into this, and actually steal two billion uh, euros, uh, I, I, I could I could be one hundred percent sure that they had planned the exit as well to keep the money. There is no logic stealing 2 billion euros and not trying to keep it as much as possible. So my strategy is, in all these cases, not to go after the criminals because they are so far ahead and they have planned their exit so carefully. So it's more or less impossible to find the money. So what I'm doing in all these cases is to look who helped them who has facilitated for them to do the sales and marketing. And that's why I'm targeting some of the large social media companies, some media companies that have allowed user fields to uh, actually promote, to do sales and marketing. And these companies, they cannot just say that we didn't know, they need to actually talk to people and do some kind of due diligence of who they are doing business with. And they should have asked two very simple questions. Because everyone who is working within the cannabis industry, if you are a farmer, if you are a producer, if you are a trader, whatever it is, you need to have a license everybody who is handling cannabis in one way or another need to have a license and if you are giving investment advices or managing people's money to to get money and then put money into some kind of investment then you also need to have a license so there should have been two very simple questions asked to the people from you feel do you have a license to trade in cannabis and do you have a license to give investment advices or doing investment management and neither of these companies who i'm calling facilitators has even asked any of these two basic questions
0: Okay, very interesting. So it's facilitators from everybody from legal advice to conferences, to media companies, to news networks, the onus was on them to ensure that they were dealing with a reputable company and everything was above board. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And especially the facilitators who was in the cannabis industry, those who have been uh, uh, lawyers. Uh, cannabis lawyers, those who has uh, done exhibitions within the industry, business-to-business exhibitions, all these people who actually have a knowledge of how the industry works, all these people I have identified, Ian, I have a list of more than 40 companies who has, in one way or another, been a facilitator for user fields to do the sales and promotion and exposure. And on top of that, I have more than 70 people who has individuals who has in one way or another helped see fields with sales and marketing. And these are people who knows about the cannabis industry and should have asked these two simple questions and how the industry works because it's not just a matter of not having the license. The whole concept just doesn't work. There isn't this profit margin that is promised to the, to the uh, investors. Uh, you cannot buy plants like this. And there isn't any end buyers. All the end buyers doesn't exist they haven't sold one single flower to any end buyer that is the pharmaceutical companies
0: it's a very interesting case to say the least and is it are you looking for reparations basically from the, the facilitators to pay back any money that they were owed or is it a case that these are going to court and there's going to be a settlement uh, brought against them
1: yeah, it, it, more or less in in 95% of uh, these cases it, it's going to be a settlement outside court sooner or later and I've been trying to have a dialogue with some of these large uh, uh, social media companies but I have uh, just they, they, they had just ignore me. So what I'm doing now is to go to courts and I have a legal strategy. And it's a solid legal strategy and it's going to be something very, very interesting from a legal perspective. Because what I would like to do is to set precedent for the future. If you are a facilitator, you just have to do some basic due diligence of who you are working with and how you are facilitating for these people. And if there is a damage you have to take responsibility for this. So I'm not just claiming for the lost money. I'm also claiming for the, the mental discomfort that the, these people have had. This, the, my clients have lost so much money. On an average, my clients have lost more than 32,000 euros. And these people, all their investors... They are not wealthy people. That one of the tar- that what they targeted was people who was just ordinary people who wanted to support the cannabis industry and they wanted to have the opportunity that the millionaires and the billionaires had. That, that was the... That, that was the Uh, uh, the the kind of persona they they set target on. So this is ordinary people and many of the people, many of the investors has lost more or less everything they have.
0: Yeah, it's one of those buyer beware for every investor, retail investor in the cannabis industry at the moment. I know if I've been in this industry for five years and I know of no company that's paying out 20 or 30x um, your investment to date. Even if you're based up in California or Colorado, yeah. you're still yeah. looking at a small return on your investment until federal legalization yeah. comes. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And in this industry, the cannabis industry, that the, the big return of investment isn't in farming. Uh, yeah. As in, as in all kind of farming, it doesn't matter if it's food or whatever it is. There is very, very small profit margin. So, so promising a profit margin of uh, about sixty-six percent within three months. That is an, an an annual return of investment of about two hundred and fifty percent. That is ridiculous. That 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 is just so completely mad so, so it, it should have been a, a, a warning signal not just for the investors because they the investors they had been scammed so so cleverly but all the uh, all the professionals those that I'm calling the, uh, uh, the facilitators they should have realized this is a this is an offer that just doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, there's no billion-dollar farmers in cannabis at the moment anywhere in the world. And I think the only real returns from this industry will be uh, IP-protected companies. So... It's been absolutely amazing talking to you, Lars. Hopefully I get to touch base with you maybe in about six months absolutely. and we'll get an update for everybody to see how everything's going. But yeah. let's hope all the investors get some of their return back for themselves. And uh, thank you very much for taking your time to do this. For anybody who wants to know more about the Juicy Fields case, they've built a website that has all the pertinent information that you can go and peruse yourself at any time. So highly recommend checking that out. Lars, thank you very much and you have a great day.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you.
0: No problem. Till next episode, everybody.